0: You could have been one of the greatest rulers in the
1: history of the world. Instead, you cower on holy ground. It was 1,400 years ago. But for you, the world hasn't changed. Look outside your cloister. What has changed? The means of destruction only. You're a fool. to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where we rewatch each and every episode of Highlander the series and talk about it in detail. Uh, We're at the halfway point now in the series, and um, I guess we're just going to do a little recap of our favorite episodes. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Keith. Uh, My favorite episode of the first 12, I would have to say, is The Road Not Taken. I think that was, maybe at this point, the most quintessential Highlander episode for me. It had a good kind of mortal plot. An immortal plot. The the flashbacks really informed what was going on on the screen. Um, I thought it, it all kind of worked together pretty well. And to my right. I'm Kyle. I'm another one of your hosts. I have to say, actually, my favorite episode will
0: actually be the one we discussed today. Uh, Band of Brothers. But up to this point, I would have to give it also to The Road Not Taken. It's really outstanding. It introduces some extra kind of fantasy elements with the the potion. It kind of explores territory that other episodes don't. The, is it Sunteco? Is the guest star yeah. in that? He's yeah. fantastic. Great sword fighting. The probably the best plot we'd seen in episode up to this point. Thumbs up. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, this
2: is Amon, another one of your rewatchers here. I was gonna jump on that bandwagon. Uh, <laughs> Band of Brothers, I think so far has been one of the best episodes. Um, I like Mountain Men. Mountain Men is good. Yeah. I, I think that has a lot of good plot elements and uh, just a fun episode. And you got those great accents. Gotta love those accents. You have the the over-the-top villain. That's awesome. fun. We respect your opinion on this.
1: <laughs> uh, so the before clap. we jump into this week's episode, we're going to do a little bit of reader mail. Uh, the first reader mail we're going to uh, tackle is for the Sea Witch, which was a couple episodes back. Um, so we have two bits of reader mail from that. Uh, Zach O wrote in uh, that Votion Sword looks like it could have been a Falchion. Uh, this was a brutal hacking weapon, which uh, could go well with his respect of Stalin's butchery. Thanks a lot, Zach O, for that. We, yeah, we were wondering, I guess, kind of what what kind of sword this could have been.
2: Yeah, uh, that we was weren't,
1: a... We weren't quite sure. And then uh, Nicholas W. Uh, further commented and said, uh, that sword was for sale a while ago. The two lines along the blade were drawn on with black markers. <laughs> <laughs> They're not grooves or anything.
2: I <laughs> think that was on eBay.
1: Probably. I wonder or how maybe, much it maybe was. they did some sort of like fan auction thing.
2: If you bought that sword, send us an email, please. Oh that's, yeah,
0: that's pretty amazing. Also if you didn't know that and you got it, I imagine you'd be pissed when you saw it. <laughs> that's disappointment. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. disappointment. Is it Sharpie.
2: <laughs> how do you ship a sword to somebody? What is that in a big box? I don't know.
0: <laughs> Keith, you received a sword in the mail once. How did you receive it?
1: Uh, I came in a uh, well, I got the, uh, the one of the official Highlander replica swords. Uh, it came in a big like mailing tube.
2: There's oh, a beam, like, like right. a
1: poster. <laughs> yeah, like a poster would oh. come in. It did it had, come like, with the poster? Wrap. No, it sadly didn't. Oh. And, but I forget what it did come with. I, I got a bunch of stuff that was a big haul. I think I got Highlander coasters. Nice. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we haven't talked about Highlander merchandise too much. I, I had a few things. I had coasters. I had the Highlander jacket. Sweet denim jacket. Yeah, sweet denim jacket. Uh, Wait, really? Oh, yeah. We can all wear it. Well, <laughs>
2: <laughs> We can all wear it at once? Yep. <laughs> Keith has slimmed down in recent years.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think if I had any other like Highlander merch. I'm sure uh, I did.
0: Back when you had long hair, you had the hair ties. I had all the hair
1: ties. I had... Oh, I had like, lapel, like a, some pins, but I think they sent that for free.
2: Dave like, lapel. If you bought
1: so much stuff, they were like, here's a free like tie tack thing. Nice. It was like the 100th episode member to pin and one might have been for one like the highlander conventions too cool i didn't have a ton of highlander stuff but we're definitely going to talk about highlander merchandise and fandom in an upcoming episode uh oh and actually if anyone has an old highlander catalog out there uh please let us know and we'd love like if you could mail it to us or take like really good pictures of it like we want to go through all of it and talk about like the like it's a pretty extensive amount of merchandising for the show and it's pretty great stuff
2: I remember seeing commercials for the catalog. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even for merchandise. It was just a commercial for a catalog where you can <laughs> buy shit.
1: Yeah.
0: It was an advertisement for an advertisement. That's right.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's like, I don't know, in the olden days, the olden days of the early 90s. Yeah. I mean, like, fandom is very different now, like, with the internet. Like This is true. But uh, Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that more with, uh, in a very very special, fan-specific episode, I guess. But let's hop into this week's episode. This is episode number 13, Band of Brothers. It originally aired February 13th, 1993. Um, the director of this was Rene Manzor. He's a French director. Uh, this is the only Highlander episode he did, but he also did one of Highlander The Raven, which was the short lived spin off Highlander show uh, that we'll get to down the road. Um, but also, he was an uncredited writer on Highlander 3.
2: Ooh. interesting.
1: The sexiest movie of 1995? Yes, that's what
2: it says on the box. <laughs> are you kidding me? No. What is it just called Highlander 3?
1: Uh, we'll talk about that more when we get to it. It has, like, four titles. Wow. <laughs> it's depending on, like, where you are in the world. But yeah, we'll just call it Highlander 3. There you go. For shorthand. Um, also, I guess it should be worth noting, like, we're not going to know who a lot of these people are in the... Th- this batch of episodes is all produced in France. So it's like a whole different production company. So it's like French writers, French right. directors. Uh, so
2: yeah, looking you know, through... we always
1: kind of like cross-check their IMDb, see what people are up to. And all these people, most most of them have worked a decent amount, but it's yeah. all French television that we don't know anything about. Yeah, so. looking
2: through Monsieur Manzor's IMDb, I was like, <laughs> nothing of note that I can point out. Right. Any French viewers... Uh... If Manzoor here is a big deal, let us know.
1: Uh, and the writer on this episode was Marie Chantel Droni. Uh, she's back. And she's back. This is she did Mountain Men, right? Yeah. Uh, and she's she's only done four episodes, but we presume presumably her husband is one of the writers and executive producers. Kevin Droni uh, also did Mortal Kombat, all that good stuff. Um, so she's back. Okay, as far as guest stars go. Um, I guess Amanda Weiss, if we want to count her still as a guest Boo. star. This is her last episode.
2: Oh, really? And
1: probably her best, all things considered. Maybe, yeah. I mean... And that ex-
2: ain't saying much.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it when it comes up, but she went out on as strong a note
2: as she had on this show. Sure. Good riddance.
1: This episode also guest stars James Horn as Grayson. Um, he's been a lot of characters in, like, multiple Star Trek series uh but he was also lieutenant barnaby in star trek the next generation uh and he was in that borg episode where he goes down to the borg planet and saves data anyone oh. remembers that that was kind of a famous episode He was uh, on
2: zorro. zorro oh he was on zorro too yeah nice and uh he voiced scar in the kingdom hearts video games <laughs> oh, oh boy
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's done a lot of work uh He's like, what? I, I, I've written 158. Here, oh, 158? Yeah. I wrote 157, so he must have just done something.
2: Yeah, he just did something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a lot of video games, so. Nice.
1: Also, Werner Stoker is in this episode. He is a new character. Darius is... I think one of the most beloved characters from season one. We'll get to see more of him later. And uh, let's get into the IMDb episode description. An immortal from long ago is trying to kill disciples of another immortal who turned peaceful, and Duncan must stop him.
2: (laughs) There we go. That's it. That's to the point. I wanted to mention um, the guy that plays Paulus, who we'll talk about later. He's been in a few things. Earl Pastco. He was in the movie Battlefield Earth. Ah, Mm, that's a classic uh, bad movie. Yeah, yeah, check that out. Battlefield Earth. (laughs) So basically we open. We're in Paris. Do we know we're in Paris? We do. It it
0: opens on a big shot of like the Arc de Triomphe. There you go. And then it's like, okay, you are not in Seacouver anymore. Yeah.
2: And some guy's just like kind of sneaking around like he's being chased or something. And there's this wacky, horrible music that's being played that isn't tense at all.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it didn't really match.
2: Yeah, so he is running towards a church, basically.
1: Right, and a monk is there, and I noticed the the monk just says, "Go back." Yeah, and it's like, what? Like where? Like where does he supposed to go back to? Like he's being chased. Like I don't, I, out of context, I'm not sure what's happening. Nope. Right now, but I guess it's supposed to be a pretty exciting opening. Like sure. I mean, I I don't mind episode openings that are like a little ambiguous because it's like, ooh, what's this? Like yeah. who's that? Uh, you get to learn a little bit, but then we're introduced to. The villain of the episode, Grayson, right, who stabs this guy.
2: Yep. Yeah, takes him downtown. Well, does he, like, throw the knife into his back? It seems like he throws the knife into his back.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because yeah.
2: he's
0: already, he's already like, in the church. He's, like, right. on the holy ground already. Yeah. And he, like, throws it in after him. <laughs> <laughs> Which made me wonder, again, about immortals doing violence to mortals on holy ground
1: oh yeah it almost
0: seems like he's trying to cheat by like with this knife throw maneuver it's like ah, i wasn't actually on it right so i think we're still supposed to assume that that doesn't fly
1: yeah probably not
2: rest in peace jean pierre
1: uh so we end up finding out that this this uh the monk his name is darius and he has a past with the villain grayson so they start talking and they, they, they i don't know there's they plant some seeds uh grayson says that he planted this guy in his organization? Yeah. That he I kills And little... I was like, oh, what kind of organization could this be? Especially as the episode unfolds. It's like, what could... Like, is this guy a terrorist? Maybe. Probably. Don't they
0: imply later that he's an arms dealer? Oh, do the, they? I, I don't think it's ever really...
2: That's Randy's theory, but I feel like that's not substantiated by anything. She just decides he's an arms
0: dealer. Yeah, okay, that might actually be what I'm thinking of. It's yeah. very... It's strangely tacked on. But I'm a little compelled by the notion that like this immortal has a whole organization behind him and seemingly so does darius yeah Yeah. like we don't quite know exactly what it is but he's obviously got a web of informants if he can plant someone anywhere (laughs) like once you're involved in planting people places you've arrived so
1: (laughs) so these two characters have a past together they clearly were both warriors i guess in the past and Mm -hmm. grayson thinks that he should have joined him and Continued to be a great general, but Darius turned his back and became, I guess, a man of God and a man of peace. And so these two characters are at a- odds with each other. So after that, we cut back to Seacoover, and we're in the uh, the antique store. And mm-hmm. we found out that Tess got a job.
2: She was selected to curate a retrospective on sculpture and form right. in Paris. <laughs> she was selected to be the curator of the most vague <laughs> exhibition In Paris. Well,
0: that's why it's an attractive job. She really gets to put her own
1: fingerprint on
0: it.
2: (laughs) That's right.
1: And so Richie's all upset. She wants to take this. She's going to take this job. I guess Richie's all upset because he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. Right. He's like
0: super butthurt
2: about it. Yeah. He's like, oh, you've got so much money invested here. Yeah. yeah. Duncan seems pretty pissed, too, which I didn't really understand, because what does it matter to him?
1: Yeah. He's like, yeah, fine. If you want to do it, just do it. What What you don't do, (laughs) you don't go to Paris. That's right. Art shows.
0: Um... It's a little tense cuz he knows that she secret you know, that she really wants to do it. But it's a little unclear and then he receives a mysterious package from from
1: Darius. From Darius
2: in Paris. What a coincidence.
1: <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So it's a bag full of like rocks with ancient runes on ancient them.
2: Ancient runes.
0: A, a language that died out 2000 years ago. So
1: Duncan's able to read these and he says someone's going to visit. And it's not one of the good guys. And so it's all still very vague at this this point, like, what's what's happening.
0: Well, so he, what's not vague at this point is that Darius is bad at his job. Because <laughs> I'm just saying, you should not send a warning that someone might be trying to kill you in a form slower than the person trying to kill you. <laughs> it's like, if someone is on their way to your house to kill you, you shouldn't send a letter. <laughs> He should pick up the goddamn phone and say, like, Duncan, this incredibly dangerous opponent, we're supposed to believe at this point in the show, the most dangerous opponent Duncan has ever faced. And it's maybe the first time we see him show genuine fear that he might not be able to beat somebody. And he sends him a cryptic runescape thing. <laughs> like, what the He sends him a cryptogram by mail. Yeah. For all we know, Grayson could be waiting to receive this thing. <laughs> Or worse yet, what was the? We don't exactly know when the last time Duncan spoke this ancient language. What if he just forgot?
2: Yeah, <laughs> and, when's the last time he brushed up on his ancient rune? Like,
0: <laughs> like you know, anyone people who have to take languages in high school know that like two years after you graduate, you forget almost all of it. Like, <laughs> he's not speaking this language with anyone. He might just get this thing and go, "Ugh." <laughs> Darius is saying hi. Maybe.
2: Yeah.
1: So. Anyway, bad plan, Darius. So, Duncan then, uh, we cut. We Duncan leaves and goes to his cabin in the woods, which we've seen a couple times before. And he's out, like, training with Richie. And he's doing this great training exercise where he's jumping over a log over and over again. Yeah.
0: I just had, like, a flashback to Rocky Four <laughs> When he, like, goes into the Russian mountains to train alone. <laughs>
2: Where is this, like, it's it's a snowy cabin. Where the fuck is this cabin? But we're still just back in the where
0: the fuck is Seacouver <laughs> <laughs>
2: right <laughs> kind of camp. Like, because it doesn't, they're not prepared for winter in Seacouver. They're not, like, dressing warm. That just confused me. I was like, where the fuck are they?
0: <laughs> and they're all of a sudden in, like, a Christmas wonderland <laughs> yeah. afterwards.
1: Um, so we Duncan then gives some backstory on Darius. And we have a clip that's a little bit long, but I think it's kind of a fun like the Legend of Darius sort of clip, so should we play that? Yeah. All right, let's play that. Darius was once one of the great generals.
2: Grayson was his second in command. Fifteen hundred years ago, Darius could have led his armies across Europe and ruled for a thousand years.
1: But he turned his armies back. Grayson felt betrayed and never forgave him. And Darius, ever since, has tried from holy ground to be a peacemaker.
0: Why would he do that?
1: It's only legend. Yeah, well, come on, Mac. With you guys, what else is there? That's a good line. I like that. Yeah. The legend has it that Darius killed the holy man at the gates of Paris, the oldest living immortal at the time. And suddenly
2: he changed. He turned his back on
1: war.
0: You think that this holy guy's quickening went to Darius and made him good? Well, does that mean that, like, if a really good immortal, like, chopped the head off a really bad ancient immortal, that he could, you know?
2: An interesting point. Mm. Yeah. Pretty good stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it is a it does introduce this, another kind of mystical element to the, the quickening, because we're often wondering what you're actually receiving when this happens. So I think something about you inheriting a bit of their personality is kind of compelling. Yeah. But it's all still so ill-defined. And the fact that, again, in this episode, ancientness is viewed as an advantage, if that makes sense. Sorry. Mm. Getting confused looks here. Uh, so, (laughs) So Grayson is obviously extremely old. Right. And that's part of the reason why Duncan kind of fears him a bit. Similarly, this ancient immortal who Darius killed, like his ancientness and goodness was able to change darius in a certain way right but when the chips are down they're just kind of fighting each other like does the benefits of being old outweigh being like tall and strong like nothing about grayson seems overtly f- physically threatening to me right and like duncan's been fighting more or less constantly since this show started i just wonder if there's any reason to honestly think that he's not just a better fighter than another person.
2: Well, that that's interesting because, I mean, they say he's a powerful immortal because he's old, and I don't take that as physically. Yeah. To me, that, that infers or implies, I don't know, that him being an ancient immortal, like, that gives him something. I don't know if that means the quickenings he's received or or. That's what, what. I
1: assumed it was, is that it's less to do with the fact that they're old, but as a byproduct of being so old, you end up with more quickenings you've you've lasted longer you've survived longer so you must be like somewhat good at what you do i guess
0: maybe but again like what do these quickenings actually do for you we get treated to a lot of shirtless duncan and he's obviously ripped and constantly training a lot of these people who he's taking on do not seem similarly physically imposing and don't necessarily put in the same amount of work that duncan obviously does into Training to fight. So there's always just this odd, ineffable element floating in the background on these quickenings, where it's like, does that genuinely even the odds when you're fighting someone who's obviously extremely well-trained and jacked?
1: Yeah. I think they have a hard time translating what those qualities are to the screen. Like, how do they show that the person's more powerful in a fight, like, without giving them magic powers, which... Some incarnations of Highlander do. Uh,
2: mm. Yeah, I was going to say, do, do immortals ever have other abilities aside from sensing in, each other and healing and having to fight with swords? In some of the
1: movies, they get into some like mystical power sort of stuff, huh. um, which I'm not a big fan of personally. Uh, I can see why they do it, but I don't know. We'll get into that later. Yeah. But.
0: but I guess it's cool that there's some, note, some idea that this fight is about more than just actual fighting ability and physical strength. Because yeah. it's not just that, oh, you're the you're the tallest immortal who ever lived. You win the game.
1: <laughs> and also I think this idea of like a light quickening is super cool. Like, oh, yeah. that he was changed by someone else's goodness.
2: Uh yeah, that's like a quickening influencing your character. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, Duncan kills bad guys all the time, bad guy immortals. Is he being influenced by these evil evil quickenings? Maybe.
1: And well I think and that's also the implication here is the worry is that well If you go up against Grayson, like, he's almost the opposite of Darius in this episode, is that if you kill someone like him, would it be bad? Maybe.
0: Yeah, Duncan almost looks a little bit afraid. Yeah. I think Adrian Paul does, like, a a nice little subtle reaction to Richie's question.
1: Yeah. No, I I think think this is a a really solid plot, and it's nice, too, because it's a little bit bigger than just one episode. Like, it's, like... it it introduces kind of a new thematic idea to kind of what the game is and how this stuff all plays out. And
0: And a nice element of someone else who's just not playing the game. Because you don't even especially get the idea that Grayson's playing the game. He's got his own thing that he's doing. Like, he's got this organization. He's just going about it. And so does Darius. He's got this peacekeeping mission that's utterly separate from the game.
1: Right. Um, Also, before we move on from this scene, uh, I just wanted to play a clip of... Richie?
2: <laughs> yep.
1: Uh, that I thought was really fun. So uh they talk about who Grayson's next next victim is gonna be, which is Victor Paulus, who was one of Darius Darius's disciples, yeah. I guess. Um and he's a peaceful man. Well, and anyway, we let Richie
0: tell us what yeah, he is. Victor Paulus. I've heard of that dude. He's like that guy that uh, uh gives all those speeches, leads rallies and stuff, right? <laughs> he's one of you guys. <laughs> 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 I <laughs> oh, hey, got Victor Paul. This is what he got. <laughs> <laughs> also,
2: the most generic
0: description ever. It's like, who is he? Like, what does he do?
2: They never say what he does. Like, he just gives really vague speeches about world hunger and he holds an umbrella.
1: Yeah, like a champ. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in the next scene, we're back in Seacoover at the antique shop and Grayson pays Tess a visit. And he's looking at all this like ecclesiastical art and I guess that's how Tess figures out that he's Grayson, like he collects all this stuff because it reminds him of Darius and he hates him. Right. It's from the
0: And it's kind of from the, the height of his power.
1: Yeah. Um, and then Grayson says the craziest thing. He goes, Duncan keeps you abreast of many things. And then he looks at her breasts, <laughs> he looks back up. <laughs> That's like, what is happening?
2: And after seeing her in the flesh, he understands why. <laughs> Gross.
0: Yeah. Also, Tess just needs to, she needs to figure out a way to keep a lid on things. Because she cannot keep any secrets ever. Yep. If... And literally, her life depends on it. Right. He, she does not need to admit that Duncan knows that Grayson's coming. That she knows he's an immortal. Like she could have just gone like Psst, Mac. This guy came, and he's clearly your enemy. Well, But instead, she just has to go, like, oh, by the way, Duncan was born 400 years ago. He's an immortal. He's my friend. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. Like, she just gives him a data dump. It's like, it's like she might as well give him his new social security number. Well, this is crazy,
1: too, because at the end of the scene, like, Grayson's like, well, you tell him I was here. And he, she's like, he won't even know. Like, I'm not telling him you threatened me. This and is And I guess crazy. the plan is that, like, does she... She wanted, like, Duncan to be cool with everything, like, not get, like, flustered and, like, hot-headed because Grayson's coming after his family. Maybe. Or it's just, like, but, like, his life is on the line. It's, like, how about some info?
2: Like, not telling him that Grayson's on the scene in Seacouver? Yeah, that he's that, already there. That he's seems, a- like, more of a threat than whatever she's thinking. Yeah,
0: already in town and knows where you live.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not going to mention that.
0: Uh, so
1: they're back in the cabin.
2: There's a fake cougar growl. Yeah,
1: there's there's, there's a cougar <laughs> growl, and Richie's all afraid of nature. I actually I wanted to make a, a a side note about Duncan and Richie's relationship at this point. I am kind of digging their scenes together uh, more than I have in the past. Like Duncan is getting more fun, finally. Like I think we've talked before that Duncan is like very stoic. I don't know. He's this like rock hard. Like I don't know. He's this immovable hero uh, that doesn't seem to have any flaws or like even a sense right. of humor. And he starts to be, like, funnier. Like, he's joking with Richie. He's like, well, the cougars can't swim. And he's like, well, actually, they're pretty good swimmers. Like, <laughs> and they start to get a rapport going. And I, for, the, for everyone who is listening to this, who obviously loves this show, like, you get to know that Richie and Duncan have a great relation. Like, we rag, I, I rag on Richie a lot in these early episodes, but I love Richie. Like, Richie's great. He's always a fun guy. But, yeah, I, I'm enjoying kind of the, 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 the writers are starting to get a sense of making them seem more like friends and having Duncan be a little bit more fun.
0: Yeah, cuz otherwise their relationship just kind of felt hollow because it's it's like why why do you enjoy hanging around? It's like do you just enjoy being bossed around by this 40-year-old yeah, man and
2: reprimanded? Right.
0: Yeah. Right. What but, you don't do, you don't get scared of bobcats. <laughs> I think
2: I think it was the Indian man. The Indian started uh, their relationship off on the right foot. The Indian, you know. <laughs>
0: Uh so Richie asks after fearing this Bobcat attack, you know, like did Darius ever change you? And then we get treated to a really nice flashback, actually. It's this is great, yeah. Let's play
1: this clip and then we can talk about the flashback,
2: I guess.
1: Well, how was the battle? (laughs) Why does that matter to you? Napoleon may lose a campaign. Wellington may win a great victory. What if they really won or lost? Their reputation? These men have been robbed of their most precious possession forever. I shouldn't be taking part in this tragedy. I was raised a warrior. I choose battles I believe to be just. Oh, I'm sure. You're quite loyal to your convictions and compatriots. But I wonder what these men think about that, about convictions and compatriotism now.
0: We should note Duncan's looking around at all the dead bodies, yeah. from from the battle. So he is dressed in a British uniform from the Napoleonic Wars.
1: This this is supposed to be Waterloo. It's wow. Supposed to
0: be Waterloo. it's okay. it's,
1: t- it's supposed to be all that, like, because they, they do mention
0: is
2: that the, the Wellington yeah. and
1: Napoleon at some point in this flashback. Uh, although Waterloo took place in June, and it's snowing in this flashback, uh, but apparently. I don't. I don't mind. I don't care. It looks awesome. Apparently, it snowed the night before. They like. They had everything set, and then it just snowed. And they were like, "Well, okay." Wow.
2: Uh, well, it matches with the scene at the cabin. That's like.
1: I yeah. I love this flash. This is the best flashback we have seen in this show. It looks fantastic. Yeah, I the think.
0: costume design is awesome. There's yeah. all these great props because you've got these destroyed cannons and all these other kind it of historical artifacts around. It doesn't look cheap. Like no, it looks. This looks yeah. good. Yeah. And they're having an amazing sideburn contest. <laughs> Darius and Duncan looking who, pretty righteous. Who won? Uh, Duncan. I think Duncan wins. Uh. Yeah. I had a couple thoughts on this. Starting to a, ta- a better timeline starting to fall into place about where Duncan is at any given moment. So I'm also wondering how long he's actually been fighting in this war. Because like the Napoleonic Wars lasted a really long time. We're talking about like if this is supposed to be like 1815, he could have been doing this since 1803 realistically. Right. So. Huge kind of chunk of time, maybe, he's been fighting in these, this conflict. But the other thing I wanted to ask, like, he really cares that much about helping the English beat Napoleon? Like, that's his goal? <laughs> he he gets, thinks- like, f- he's pretty jazzed up about it. And, like, not to be the defender of Napoleon in the group, but <laughs> I don't know that you could say, like, oh, yeah, there's a clear moral imperative against fighting Napoleon. It's like, hey, let's help a bunch of kings fight this guy who's, like, kind of championing the French level- Revolution a little bit. I don't know. It's not a clear-cut thing.
1: No. Um, yeah, I've always I've always wondered in these episodes, like, how does Duncan choose sides? Like, we, we talked about that in The Sea Witch. Like, right. he was in the Russian military. Like, for some reason, it's like, how did that happen? All right, like... Yeah, and it's not like there's a ton of love
0: lost between the Scots and the English. So, right. like, why does he even care that much about fighting for them to begin with, let alone in this conflict?
1: I think it's just because they had some scenery, and they had some props, and they were like, let's make yeah. this happen like how do we get these characters together
2: something i wonder about the duncan flashbacks if you actually like take all the dates and put them together does it make sense can he actually go to all these different places like in the like concurrent times i've
1: been starting to put together every episode we do i've been keeping track of when and where he is and so i think as we get some more of the pieces together well we should take a look and see like yeah, how long he was in each place, but I, as far as I know, I think they did keep pretty good track of when and where he's yeah. different places. Also, I think that might be the reason why they don't put those those title the cards dates, up yeah. in the dates, mm-hmm. so they can keep it a little vague, right? Uh, so they don't run into accidentally, you know, him in the wrong place at the wrong time.
0: Mm. Yeah. Also, then Darius tries to save a soldier with a some kind of potion right. <laughs> that he
1: makes, and a cup well, he of says ice. it's like ancient medicine that's been like forgotten. Yeah, which. Really, <laughs> I <don't know>. but <laughs> he's old and wise. He can do it. Yeah, that they, was pretty cool. They have a great discussion. I like I like the discussion they have about like loyalty and what's life worth. I don't know. It's and, pretty good.
0: And it's also interesting because they're ostensibly locked in this game built around killing each other, Right. killing other immortals who seemingly have in abundance the thing that all these soldiers are losing because they never really have to fear death except for from each other. So that ends up being kind of compelling. It's also it's. Kind of unfair too when you think about it. Like immortals participating in mortal wars. (laughs) Yep. It's like Wolverine going out and fighting people. Like they can just keep fighting forever and ever. It's just like, what's Duncan's kill death ratio in the Napoleonic (laughs) Wars? Like, how many mortals has he realistically killed? Because also, you can do all kinds of crazy, reckless things and you don't have to worry about getting killed. Like, That's right. I guess we should assume that Duncan has probably killed hundreds of mortals by the time we meet him in the 20th century. But anyway, so we cut from here to hardcore banging. Yeah.
2: Gross transition.
0: Yeah, it's pretty pretty intense. uh, Is this new footage
2: or is it reused from the pilot?
1: I checked because I had the same (laughs) note. I was like, is this the same thing? It is actually different.
2: Ah, oh, very good. Yep. So, so they filmed that
0: multiple times. Yeah, so
1: they made uh, Alexander of Van der Hoot take her clothes off again and <laughs> smash it with Duncan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so Grayson also drops off, like, sends a message. He sends them a little toy soldier that's dressed just like Duncan was in the flashback without a head. Right. I suppose that is threatening. And, um, we, and we have
1: a training montage at this point as well.
2: And another Duncan mumble fest, like, <laughs> when he was in the car. Like, he's just mumbling.
1: Yeah. they they gotta figure out these voiceovers. Let's let's play this and talk about what he says. We're playing a lot of clips this episode. Is evil is the it.
2: opposite of good Hope doesn't conquer superior adversary.
1: So why do I hope to be Chris? Why do I think that a good life will protect me from an evil one? So
0: what did he just say? So first off,
1: <laughs> I, I love this scene because it's awesome. It's just Duncan shirtless, like, training and swinging the sword around. It's super badass. I do like this element of him being, like, it's just, like, got this, like, Zen master sort of, like, quality to it. Like, meditating, thinking. Sure. He's, try- like, I mean, he's trying to work stuff out, like. But, yeah, to, to, I wrote down exactly what he says. He says, hope doesn't conquer a superior adversary. So why do I hope to beat Grayson? Why do I think the go- a good life will protect me from an evil one? What power can I draw from this thing? This hope.
2: Hmm. Eh.
1: It's so weird. It's like a bunch of nonsense. Like, the only line I kind of like is, why do I think that a good life will protect me from an evil one? Like, I think that plays into this idea of, like, having what we find out are dark quickenings. Like, Darius had a light one and became good, but...
0: Could he eventually...
1: Could he become bad? Like, yeah. even though he's lived a good life, does, is that all for naught if he kills an evil immortal? this yeah. whole This whole discussion of hope and like what's it ma- like it can't con- i don't i don't understand hope
2: comes back later in this episode with an interaction duncan has with darius it started here hmm right but it's not established at any point before that so i don't know if that flashback later with darius was supposed to happen earlier or huh maybe the script got rearranged i Interesting. don't know
1: but yeah a lot of mumbling
2: yep. yeah
0: it is kind of hard to understand though he does again this is where we clearly get him saying that he thinks grayson is a superior opponent yeah which we've never heard him say about anyone else he's taken on right so this is i don't know this is compelling this is tension you don't feel like he's walking into a fight that he's necessarily going to walk away from easily so duncan now has changed kind of changed his mind he now wants tessa to go to paris again double down you know doubling down that you get the impression that he doesn't think he's going to walk away from from this fight. Uh. Uh,
1: so after Duncan's training montage, we are we cut to this scene. There's a helicopter landing. It turns out Victor Paulus, Darius's disciple, is on it, um, and of course Rando McFarland is there waiting, along with like tons of press. Like this is yeah. supposed, I guess, be a huge deal. And Duncan's there. He's disguised as like some sort of like helipad worker. Yeah. Like, he's got like headset on the whole thing. Um, so there's an assassination attempt against Victor Paulus. Of course, Duncan stops it. Yep. And takes over as the limo driver, and drives Victor away. And then Rando, like, camps out. Like, she sees his T-Bird there and decides to, like, hide in the passenger seat with Why? her head down. And I was wondering, how long has she been just hiding there? So I she, like to think 12 hours. Yeah,
2: she, Duncan, like, after he dropped Paulus off, he got some lunch, he had a drink. Right. <laughs> like, But also he leaves his t he drives his own T-Bird there. He's supposed to be... Anonymous. He doesn't want to be seen. He drives his own car, like, to the scene and leaves it open.
0: His, his own totally sweet eye-catching car. Yeah, that,
2: like, anybody would notice. Good stealth there, Duncan.
0: <laughs> yeah, which we we know already that the cops kind of have on file yeah. as Duncan's car so from Deadly Medicine.
1: This scene doesn't really do too much because it's just Rando asking questions like, right. who are you? what are you doing? And he's just like not giving her any answers as usual. And then that's kind of it. And it's like, okay, good scene again. Like, yeah, there's, there's never any trajectory with Randy. Like it's never leading anywhere.
0: Right. Though. I think this scene is still just, it it doesn't accomplish much, but just in terms of sentence writing, I feel like it, And delivery, it goes a little smoother than a lot of their interactions. And also, it's got this emotional content that Duncan might think his days are numbered. So, like, he almost has a slightly sweet moment with her. Where he's like, well, I hope I see you again. Yeah, that is true. Perhaps a little unearned, but it actually seems like they have a relationship
1: at this point. Yeah, this is probably their best interaction so far.
0: Yeah, I think by a wide margin. Now Duncan wants... Tessa to, to leave and go to Paris at this point because he's not sure he's going to make it out of his conflict with Grayson. Uh, and we are treated to another really good flashback. Uh, this time it's of what kind of looks like a pilgrim robbing Darius's church.
2: And he has like two two uniformed goons with him.
0: Right. right. <laughs> I think it kind of looks like he's still in France at this point, like they're French soldiers but being led by this guy who doesn't appear to be in uniform, just like a bandit. Right. Yeah. But they Darius says, you know, we have no gold or anything like that, so the, the evil pilgrim stabs him and walks out of the church, where he has the misfortune of bumping into Duncan.
2: Who's in like a, a black robe, like a hood, a He's weird like pretending to be a a monk, he a monk. Like,
1: yeah, he looked pretty sweet, and he takes these guys out with efficiency. But yeah. Darius is like, "Don't kill them," uh,
0: which too late. So at least he kills two, of, at them. Least two yeah. of them.
1: Yeah. So at this point, Duncan says, "I guess we find out that Duncan's actually been studying with Darius, and he is going to head to America, and he hopes that you know there won't be as much hate and fighting over in the new world."
2: And this is where Darius says, "I won't rob you of that hope that America might be less—that's violent right. a place." So I'm wondering... That so yeah,
1: there is a thread of the, this hope through the episode. Yeah. That's interesting. I wish it was actually stronger. Me too. Yeah. So that would be, that'd be really a great, like, theme. We now have a timeline,
0: though, for the first time he gets to the United States, because we know he lives with Native Americans for a time. He obviously at some point winds up at seacouver, So we're starting to date that, I suppose. We don't know how long after 1815 it is. It should be after 1815.
1: So we cut back to the present, and Grayson confronts Duncan, and he says, if you don't get out of my way, like, I guess Grayson doesn't really actually want to fight Duncan no. at the end of the day. But, like, his his main goal is Darius. So he's like, if you don't get out of my way, I'll start hurting the people you love. Uh, so that's, I guess, the, the the threat level is increased at this point.
0: Though he's already said that he's willing to have just a one-on-one with Duncan. So I'm, again, left wondering what the deal is with this organization that he apparently... Heads up, because he doesn't appear to be using it to help him beat Duncan in yeah. any way, and he's not using it to put the squeeze on him. He's kind of just doing it himself.
1: And Randy shows up at the end of this scene. Did anyone notice that? She yeah. just like pops her head and she's like, yep. "Hey, what's going on? Who was that? What's happening?" Yeah. Like, and then the scene's over. It's like, "God, get well, out of this show!" Yeah.
2: <laughs> Somebody what was just was that? <laughs> shoved her into the shot. Yeah. What was that? the weird like? It, it's at the cemetery where Paulus is giving another vague speech. Um, And she's, like, there, very awkwardly holding her microphone, like, forward.
0: But then Duncan and Grayson, since they're on holy ground at the cemetery, they get to have a nice chat while
2: they're there. This is the first in a long string in these upcoming episodes of somebody saying, ah, holy ground, a good place where we can talk business.
1: Yeah, they they try to reestablish it, I think, every episode, just in case you're just tuning in. (laughs) Well, you know, before TiVo...
0: Right. There are, yeah. uh, there are a fair amount of rules to this thing. <laughs> yeah. You do so have to reestablish them. You'd probably if you weren't really hip on this thing and you were a new viewer, you'd probably be saying they're going like, "Why aren't they just punching each other?"
1: <laughs> right. So, back at the antique store, uh Tess is getting ready to leave. She's like all broken up. She doesn't want to say goodbye to to Duncan. Uh especially cuz she knows kind of what's at stake like they they really do play up the stakes are being very high, like Duncan could die in this episode. Yeah. Um I think you feel it more in this episode than in the previous ones. And of course Richie's still upset, but then Duncan surprises Richie with the ticket to Paris. You yeah. gotta protect her from all those French dudes. Right. <laughs> Richie is gonna go pack. Tess and Richie are off. To Paris.
0: But before he does, he feels squeamish because they're not going to make me eat frogs and snails, are they? (laughs) At least not right away.
1: (laughs) So Duncan and Grayson are finally about to have it out. There's a couple, like, interesting lines of dialogue here. Grayson confronts Duncan with this quote. He says, Darius thinks there's something waiting for us after this, but you're smarter than he is. And I was like, oh, like, what's going on here with, like, religion and Duncan and kind of all this sort of stuff. And I don't Mm. know, we get back into it a little bit more too with, with Darius and either it's in this episode or the next episode about what Darius really believes. That's the,
0: that's the episode with Xavier St. Cloud.
1: Yeah. Uh, And I don't, I think it's just interesting. Uh, I'm not sure what all these, components mean especially like when you're dealing in a fantastical world like this
2: yeah with immortal people live
1: forever and yeah how does religion play into that and how do people define their faith especially someone like darius like
0: and do we know exactly how old darius is we know that 1400 years ago he was like the strongest
1: according to the watcher chronicles he was born in 50 A.D. 50 A.D. yeah so he's the oldest one we've seen so far
2: aside from grayson or is Grayson, uh,
1: Grayson's born later. Uh, oh, I'll have okay. to look into the Watcher Chronicles for that at the end of the episode. Uh, and then Marcus was born in like 137 or something. He was the oldest one uh, prior. Mm. Right.
0: Who Duncan has already wasted. So he's getting a lot of <laughs> years here. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know
1: if years is how
0: we measure this, but if so, he's cleaning up in some of these yeah, recent so episodes. so Grayson
1: wants to recruit Duncan to be part of, like, his organization or whatever, right. and he's like, we can be we can be kings!
0: Yeah, <laughs> which is, like, this odd, like, mirroring that he wants to be to Duncan what Darius was to him. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting, this kind of hanging together of these immortals.
1: So he's like, oh, we can, we can be arms dealers or whatever for a century or two, and then we'll, maybe we'll fight it out then. Yeah. Uh, but then I thought there was an interesting line that Duncan says, he's like, the gathering is near at hand. Uh, like so, he's like, we don't have time for this sort of like, pussing it, around with like yeah, arms yeah. dealing and stuff. So I thought this was interesting because it's near at hand now. Like the the writers have backed off a yeah. little bit, and it's like in previous episodes, it's like the we're gathering in it. is here and now. Yeah, like, we're in it, and now it's they say, they say near. It after this too that it's close or
0: no, that it's going on. They say it after this episode, too. They say, like, I know it's the gathering, but.
1: Well, they, but I think they, they're very specific with their word choice. Like, this is near at hand. Like, it's. Right. I don't know. I think they're trying to distance themselves huh. a little bit from having the gathering be, like, right this second. I don't know. Yeah.
0: But Duncan's. I like Duncan's quip, retort to that. He's like, You think any of us have a century left? That's yeah. good. Some people drive by and kind of ruin their, their fun. They start kind of
1: fighting. It's so dark though i yeah. don't understand why the scene is so dark i don't think they even lit the scene i think they're just using like the lights in the park <laughs> yeah like, like it's, it's very grainy it's like it's not lit well
2: yeah like a, they start fighting and then like a light goes by i guess it's supposed to be a car and somebody says go back what's that some good <laughs> adr yeah <laughs> fun adr
1: uh but, so, so can... they can't fight at this point so the next scene is at the sterling hotel Randy, of course, is there to cover this event because Victor Paulus is going to give a speech at this hotel. Like, I still don't
2: understand exactly what he's well, there for. Well, here's what he's there for. He's there to twist some arms and win over a few stony hearts, according to <laughs> Randy. So yeah. that's what he's doing there. As you do. Yeah.
1: Um, so Grayson has, like, paid off some security people to murder Victor. Uh, but somehow Duncan is in on this, and he, like, tracks down victor who's in the basement and then there's a big karate fight uh, which the is great
2: evil karate laundry men
0: <laughs> well they're i mean at least they're they're actually grayson's goons they're not just randos who happen to know karate yeah. right but this whole sequence is pretty fun yeah, yeah like, it's cool and duncan really kind of wrecks these dudes yeah and they're willing to have like the the scenery kind of explodes at certain points like with steam and all that and
1: there's some fun quips back and forth like victor's like well why why are you helping me and he's like I'm a friend of Darius, and he's like, Darius didn't teach you that, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> or he's like, I'm not a great, I wasn't a good student, or something like that. Yeah, uh, so it's
0: funny, th- and like they're in this dark boiler room, and there's this weird wailing guitar going yeah. on. It's like, <laughs> as they're just like going through this thing that looks like a horror room set like why yeah. i I'm gonna say Victor like you got to play some heads up baseball here like yeah. why are they reading you through this
2: like creepy boiler room <laughs> right this way Victor
0: yeah and here's where one of the saw movies was filmed yeah. <laughs> don't pay any attention
2: i just want to say after the fight like the real security guards come up and they point guns at Victor and Duncan and say right. freeze you okay
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i thought that was very funny
0: Paulus manages to show up to the speech of course and as soon as grayson sees him he's like a mad little kid he like gets all red in the face and storms out and Random's like right on him behind him because of course he draws a little a ton of attention to himself yeah like, this speech is like in a living room it's yeah. so <laughs> tiny so like he's making a huge scene by
2: storming out also why is grayson there
1: yeah, why show like, up at all?
2: To why? Gloat. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, well, I I'm, guess. I'm just, just being arrogant. Into that. About he's it, like yeah. he
1: wants to be there when
0: like he. But if, if like, he's so- getting a lot of personal satisfaction out of that's true, that like messing true. with Darius, like if, he wants to be there
2: for. If that. something goes wrong, I mean, I guess he's like arrogant. But, like, if something goes wrong, who hired you to kill Victor Paulus? Oh, that guy sitting right there. Like, (laughs) I don't know.
1: That's fair. Uh, Two things I wanted to say about this. Uh, Did anyone notice the speech he was giving? Because in the background, you hear him giving the speech.
2: It's the same one at the cemetery. It's the same speech It's the
1: one in the cemetery. So they didn't even, like, spend the time to write, like, anything new. Like it's, like, campaign stops. I guess so. He gives
0: the same speech in, like, 40 little towns in Iowa.
1: Randy's there, and she, like, follows... uh, grayson out and like questions him and then the scene is over i just wanted to say that's it that's the goodbye randy that's the last we ever see of her like they don't like she's cut out she of the doesn't show. get a
2: goodbye she doesn't really anything? get
1: like a send-off in the show like duncan never says like i'm moving to paris or anything <laughs> like that like goodbye like there's no send-off for this character like she just questions grayson the scene's over and like here's your check see Arando. rando like you're done
0: goodbye forever yep i wish i could say it's been great
1: <laughs> that's good we should have a little a moment we should have a, a we, we should put up, we should make a collage a,
2: a oh god <laughs> we should in... pour, pour one out for randy <laughs> 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 who's gonna look up everybody's medical records now this is true anyone apparently anyone ever yeah. with a computer can do it <laughs> well that cameraman bob was his name bob yeah, i think, I think so. it was
1: well we can at least guarantee the plots will move along yeah. swifter now because yeah. she won't be there to get in the way <laughs> yeah
2: And to recite weird news copy (laughs) (laughs) while pacing to and fro.
0: (laughs) So we we end up now in another great location. Yeah. Some kind of sulfur processing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Silo. The scene is really cool. They don't quite establish how or why they end up there. I have a note
1: on that. It's very strange. Like, we go from the fight in the park, cut to hotel where there's a speech, cut to nighttime in sulfur mines and it's like okay like yeah th- th- there's no setup for any of those scenes nope. it just jumps and it's like okay i guess you just buy along with it
2: well they're not texting each other at this point no cell phones <laughs> yeah also i just want to
1: the... <laughs> maybe at the sulfur mines yeah. frowny face <laughs>
2: <laughs> i wanted to point out um grayson in this scene is wearing a white turtleneck which has been duncan's go-to like turtleneck he wears white turtlenecks <laughs> a lot right. So it's like, what's up, Grayson? You, you stealing Duncan's, uh, Duncan's fashion sense yeah. here.
0: So is he really? Are they? Are both Grayson and Duncan really arrogant? Because all I'm saying is a white turtleneck might be the worst thing to wear to a sword fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, at least one that you might have to walk away from. <laughs> And in that's their sleep, Labor Day. Yeah, mm. covered in your or somebody else's blood. <laughs> yep, wear something dark, man. <laughs> also, in the
2: fucking sulfur factory, like where yeah. you're gonna get dirty. Yeah, like... it's gonna
0: be just yellow. What he's done, regardless. No. So.
1: Yep. so this looks awesome. Like sulfur is like bright yellow, and it's at nighttime during like a thunderstorm too. Yeah. So like the, I don't know, the everything kind of comes together really well. Like the lighting, the scenery. Yeah. Uh, this is a cool location. To it have is. To fight.
2: Grayson's sword is cool too. It it kind of looks like if you ever watched the Don Bluth animated movie Secret of Nim. It's like the one oh, rat, yeah. the one rat sword. It's kind of has like a weird, how would you describe that? It's like wavy. Yeah, they're, it's wavy they're actually sword.
1: called uh flambard yeah. swords Oh, they look like a flame.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. So
1: they they're mostly like decorative. I I know we have some like sword expert people out there. As far as I know, they don't really cause any more damage, mm. but they're like they're decorative. Uh, I think it also like it's supposed to, like, make your opponent uneasy because when you hit swords together, like, it feels different than a normal sword. Like, the vibrations, like, as you drag sword oh. against sword, like, it waves around a bunch. Hmm. Does that make sense? I'm I'm trying to describe this no, I in an audio it. <laughs> yeah. medium. But uh, just wagging your hand around? Exactly. Um, but, yeah, well, I like guess... like, the
2: it, sword against the other sword, it might, like, buckle against the grooves Yeah, or like, it, it or... bounces around yeah.
1: on those grooves and it makes the other mm. opponent uneasy. It's uh, a fitting
2: sword for Grayson, I think. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah.
0: And this is a cool fight scene. It is. I wish something had been... Well, A, I wish this wasn't the final fight. Because, as you probably would guess, Duncan wins. I just wish there had been some kind of revelation. Because this is the first time you come into a fight legitimately kind of scared for Duncan. Or Duncan's at least scared for himself. So I kind of wish there had been some explanation as to how he pulls this off. Or, like, maybe they thematically tie things back together. Yeah. That gives him the edge. Or... Better yet, the fight doesn't end. Like, Duncan flees for the first time and, you know, actually takes a black eye on this one. Yeah, I think that would be good. Because Grayson is kind of great. Like, he's a really interesting foil to Duncan and a really interesting foil to Darius, who becomes a great recurring character. So this would have been of... We've mentioned many times it would be cool if people hung around. But I think of all of them, this is the most absolutely most fitting that this guy deserves to be in more episodes and really if that's what would have filled out this entire plot arc better yeah.
1: and again this this could have been one of those series or season-long villains that we'll, we'll eventually see in like season three with uh callus who's maybe my favorite villain but yeah I, it, it's just done so well it's it's great but uh yeah like there, i don't exactly know how he beats him either uh like duncan gets like injured in this fight yeah and it's like he seems to be down for the count but he has his back towards Grayson, and then he has this very quick moment where he like closes his eyes. He's holding his sword, and I was like, "Oh, like th- there's some sort of like meditation thing happening here." Or I was trying to think about Darius. I was like, "Is he praying? Is there there's something happening?" And then out of nowhere, Duncan just spins around and like and wins. He does it. But I yeah, I wish they expounded on this theme more. And it's like you said, Kyle, if this was stretched out over episodes, like Duncan seems to be worried about this idea of hope in the beginning when he's training. He's like, "Hope won't." Like, let me win. Like, he seems to be doubting himself and doubting what maybe the power of hope is or whatever it is. And maybe he could meet with Darius and Darius could teach him more. And so then, when it came time to fight Grayson, like, instead of fighting out of anger, he's, you know, like, th- there's, there's some sort of something he learns, some Pay skill, off. or yeah. so, there's some, some, some way to wrap this up and make it come full circle.
0: Yeah, uh, something that he has that Grayson doesn't. Because also, Grayson kind of dominates this entire fight. Oh, like, yeah. Grayson is, Grayson is beating him until he isn't.
2: Uh, (laughs) Well, the one thing, his pose that harkens back to his Mumblefest training sequence, he (laughs) does that pose. So maybe it's the hope thing. I don't know.
0: I I do think that's what they were trying to do. And I definitely agree that it very much resembled a prayer. And I think that was kind of supposed to be the the point. But it just felt it was just too fast. Like, yeah. They couldn't really build on it. And you as the audience couldn't really enjoy it that much because it's just, it comes and it's gone and right. that's it.
1: And that's, I, we'll see this as the, the show progresses, but I think I talked in maybe the last episode, like they don't explore some of these small moments too much in these, this early season. Like they, they if they cut out all the Victor Paulus stuff, it'd be great. Like that character doesn't need to exist. Like, nope. cause Duncan was in a way a disciple of Darius. Yeah. And, and someone... so why not just have Grace and be like, I'm coming after your other friend, Duncan.
2: And well, so, he's not even sure if uh Grayson's coming for him or Paulus, like that's I guess we learned that he's actually after Paulus, yeah, yeah. I think he, he says does... that at one
1: point he's like i'm I'm not here for you, I'm here for him. stay out of my way." but yeah, they could have just that would have cut like that would have freed up like ten minutes worth of screen time uh and I think I mean maybe they wanted that screen time filled with kind of more action beats like, oh, Duncan's got to save this guy two times. Right. Uh, be but nice if he saved him just once, yeah, and
0: like we don't even need to necessarily have a relationship with this Paulus guy. Just that something to give stakes between Grayson and Duncan. It's like okay, now they really right. Hate but each then other. they can
1: explore then these these kind of smaller moments like this meditation, like the training sequence. I think is has the seeds of something like really great. And if they revisited that training sequence even within this episode, if it wasn't a multi episode arc, just to have Duncan train in the beginning. Maybe Duncan trains a little later. Like he he learns something. He faces Grayson once. He loses.
2: Well, there's there's no payoff to Paulus living either. But he lives to give that speech again. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> again and again, <laughs> and he will give it again tomorrow. <laughs> but this fight is
0: really cool. Yeah. Uh, the, again, awesome location and like seeing them like slide down like the piles of sulfur and like go through, go up and down this scaffolding. What note I had, like, because you know Duncan is getting beaten. He kind of flees. At one point, he completely turns his back to Grayson, which I can't imagine is a good idea, and then runs up these tiny little steps. And all I could picture was the Jerry yeah. <laughs> like, taking the baby steps. It's like, how is he not just not like, get stabbed in the back in this moment? Like yeah. he's going very slowly up these steps. Like he should get shit <laughs>
1: So it's a great fight, great quickening. I think. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty classic quickening. It's got that sort of like over the top oh face thing going on <laughs> lightning everywhere it's awesome cute uh, face but then then we we cut and i guess now we're wrapping up the episode uh so the next scene duncan uh heads to paris to meet up with tess and richie so first he sees darius at his church i guess tess has uh taken i guess sanctuary there Waiting for Duncan to arrive, she comes running out. They start kissing, blah blah blah. Then Richie comes out. Yeah, Richie is making sure that there's not a chance in hell that no one will mistake him for anything but an American. He's got a <laughs> denim vest on. Yeah. His jeans are shredded to pieces. It's like he is where, but he might as well just have an American flag across his like as a cape, mm-hmm. like,
0: <laughs> which I would appreciate. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he. All of a sudden jumps in and, of course, he immediately, because that's like his shtick at this point in the show, just talking about girls. Yep. Uh, and gets a great bit of dating advice
2: from Darius. Complimenting uh, your love's father's horse? Yeah. yeah he's first first, like when yeah. I was... <laughs> he said.
0: Yeah. The first thing you do, you compliment your... You had to compliment her father's horse, but I guess that doesn't really apply anymore. <laughs> and then they have like a... Ho, ho, ho.
1: I um, love motive. bits of dialogue like yeah. that. In yeah. show. I actually really like when they they like call out like any sort of like outdated like mode of thought or what they used to do and how it doesn't. I don't know. I think it's really it's a fun way to use their mortality for a good laugh. I, I would have
0: appreciated if Richie tried it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> also, just want to ask a
0: question about Darius while we're talking about kind of outmoded dating things and whatnot. So he's supposed to be like. 1,400 years ago, or 1,600 years ago, whatever it was, was when he was conquering Europe. Is he... Who is he? Like, wasn't Europe already conquered by Rome at that point? This is before the fall of Rome, if it's 1,400 years before 1992, right? Hmm. So, Rome is already conquered by a thing. Like, is he, like, a Roman general? Like, they always give the implication that he's, like, a barbarian or something like that.
1: All right, in the Watcher Chronicles, it says he was born in 50 in a nomadic tent east of the Orals. Mm. Don't know what that is. I don't know nope. either. Me neither. That's all the info we, I really get. Huh. I would guess like Roman army something. I don't know.
0: I guess. Because uh, it seems like it's already like mission accomplished. It's not like, <laughs> oh no, this guy might conquer Europe. It's like, hey, Europe's already conquered. I guess this guy's involved.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Huh. So I don't quite know what that's about. Yeah. Uh, but it's a super cool plot line. He's great. I love Darius. Yeah. And his voice is utterly puzzling, but very compelling. Yeah. Like I always you think of like Tom Hardy playing Bane, in that like you never quite know what his voice is gonna do. <laughs> it's like where's he going with I this? For, uh-huh. I,
1: I can't remember. I don't know if I should say. That. Well, I just don't want to be wrong. But I, I, he might be like Alsatian or something, which is like between like the French and German border. Um, so that a, might lead to hmm. his like having a, a, a slightly different sort of accent. Uh, so anyway, Duncan and Tess go on a date. Uh, and Duncan, I guess, is totally cool with Tess taking this job. He's like, I'm just no. going to hang out now. He's on- going to be kept. And just bro
2: out in Paris. <laughs> yeah,
1: on his sweet barge. Yeah, so then he, he mentions that he has a barge. And she's like, you have a barge? And I have a
2: barge. They say barge 50,000 times <laughs> in the span of And that's a like
1: the end of the episode. He's like, I have a barge credits <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's the climax of the episode right
1: I, I have a note here like i i find the ends of these episodes to be a little disappointing like these little like essentially like tags they end up being like after the quickening like i wish they would tie up thematically a little bit more yeah. the episode like like after the 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 conflict is resol- like everything just like gets resolved right away back to like zero like everything yep. just gets like reset uh like nothing happened and you see that all the time and like i mean most movies like romantic like all sorts of things have this structure where yeah. it's like once it's resolved it's like boom we're back to normal happy ending like it's a happily ever after sort of structure well, it's
2: like a sitcom too where yeah. you know they get rich on the episode then by the end of the episode they have to lose all the money right. and be back to normal
1: yeah so everything goes back to normal see i wish they just kind of dealt a little bit just even with a couple lines of like what happened and like but they only use the ends of the episode just to set everything back to normal which yeah. i think is a little disappointing
0: because certainly in moments like this like i would have appreciated maybe a chat between like darius and richie or and mac like all three of them together like do you feel different now that you killed this <laughs> oh yeah Christian
2: yeah that would be great
1: man uh, yeah and actually then, richie like, would be great the, a great person to bring that up because he was like well, could that happen and like he could maybe be a little scared of duncan like yeah hey, things are cool right like it's still you right yeah you're not having the, the opposite
0: experience that Darius had. So that would have been a interesting thing to, you know, keep an, an eye on throughout the episode or throughout yeah. the season. But anyway, this is a great episode.
1: Fantastic. This is real good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this the is best the best episode so that we've seen yeah. of all of them so far.
0: Yeah, it's excellent. Darius is a really strong addition to the show. I think, A, he's just a strong character in a vacuum. But I think this show was really lacking an immortal compatriot, yeah. some source of exposition that doesn't feel flimsy and doesn't constantly rely on Duncan knowing everything, because all of his mortal companions can add nothing to the game, really, to any plotline involving that. Because he's just got no source of information; they have no reason to know or reason to even be relevant. Like they're only really bait and hostages and things like that. So having having an actual sounding board for things that are game related i think is pretty critical to the yeah to what makes the show work
1: and that, that worked out well in the the pilot episode too the gathering because right. like Connor mcleod got to got to do kind of a lot of these things that i think darius serves as like to be kind of a moral center for duncan to like back him up and it works it works well
0: yeah and for them to have a relationship that's you know different than the kind of relationships he can have with mortals because mm-hmm. that's a theme that's played with a lot in this show is the relationship between mortals and immortals so we actually finally get a contrasting point where we can see what that's like.
1: Um, I was, I had, a, I had a question. We had talked about titles a lot in the uh, past couple episodes. See no evil, and uh, I forget what some of the other ones were. Um, what, what do we think the title is about in this episode?
2: Monks, band of brothers. I think I this know. is
1: about
0: Darius's crew. I think is the idea. Okay, I, like, I
2: was oh, kind of yeah. wondering who what the is, who the
1: band is. Because uh, Duncan and Darius, or. Yeah, I think it's Duncan, Darius,
0: Vic- Victor Paulus, the guy who gets killed in the beginning. Jean-Pierre. Right? Jean-Pierre. Uh, and it's like, because that's part of the the whole strategy here. It's like they've come together to try to do something good, ostensibly. and But it's also Darius's biggest weakness, because this is what might draw him out or give Grayson a, a means to destroy him. So that's kind of interesting. Again, I would have liked to know more about whatever Grayson's org is because that would have might have also been an interesting contrast it's like oh what's his band of brothers like what's his shadow organization that's the dark reflection of darius
1: grayson.org yeah (laughs) (laughs) awesome yeah this was a really great episode thanks everybody for listening um it sounds like i'm saying that our episode was a really great episode not the shows. <laughs> this is a really great episode, everybody. <laughs> Good job, us. Yeah. You had fun, right? Yep, of course you did. You will. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at The Rewatchers. Uh, follow us on Facebook. That's the big one. Um, we put all sorts of clips up there. You can interact with other people in the Highlander fan community. Um, it's really great. Um, also, make sure to follow us on like Instagram at Highlander Rewatched. And write us emails. If you have comments or thoughts on these shows, uh, we'll read your comments on a later episode. So you can email us at rewatched at gmail.com. And I think that about does it for this week's. Uh, next week's episode is...
2: For Evil's Sake. Ooh.
1: I've been one of your rewatchers. Keith. I'm Kyle. Amen. All right.
2: Bye. Bye-bye. See you.
1: Oh, is that all right? All right. all
2: right. All right. I kind of like all right. Yeah. That's just me. i right,
1: catch all right, all right. All right. All right. All right.
2: All right. All right. All